Uh, as many of you may already know, we are in this series called Embracing Forgiveness. We started this two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, uh, we started off by looking at that ultimate level of forgiveness, the forgiveness we receive from God. Uh, last Sunday, Pastor Mark was here and he talked about uh, a different level of forgiveness. And that's really just your ability to forgive yourself. Because at times, even though you may know God has forgiven you, it still is hard to forgive yourself for something that you've done. Today, I'm going to look at a very, very familiar level of forgiveness, one that we struggle with at times, and it's forgiving others. Jesus says this in Luke 11, verse 4, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. So right there, smack dab in the middle of the Lord's prayer, Jesus states, just as God has forgiven you, you need to forgive others. And we know that, right? We know that. We also know how we struggle with that. And one of the reasons why at times we may struggle with that is because like many other people, we misunderstand what forgiving others really means or what's really involved in that. So just to make sure we're all on the same playing field, I want to share with you and all of you watching online right now, I want to share with you what forgiving others does not mean, okay? So first, forgiving others does not mean justifying their actions, if you forgive somebody, you're not, in effect, implying that you approve of what happened and that you're simply excusing it, saying, well, they were under a lot of pressure. You know, I, I, they, I'm sure they didn't mean for it to happen anyway. No, 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 no. Forgiving others does not mean justifying what they did to you. Second, forgiving others also does not mean trusting in the passage of time. You've heard people say time heals all wounds as if to imply that, you know, that'll happen with your forgiveness. That's not true. Time does not heal all wounds. I know people who I've counseled, they've held on to grudges and bitterness for, get this, 30, 40 years, 40 years. So I can tell you for a fact that time has not freed them from their pain or healed their hurt. Third, forgiving others does not mean denying that you are hurt. Right, when you are wounded, it's like getting a sliver in your finger. Now, you can deny that that sliver is in your finger, but it ain't going to go away by you denying it. Right, it still hurts. And in fact, if, it does, if you don't do anything with that sliver, it could fester and become infected and impact the whole hand. So no, no, forgiving others does not mean denying the obvious, that you were hurt and wounded. Fourth, forgiving others does not mean confronting the other person, okay? It does not mean you go to the offending person, you grab them by their shirt, and you say, you need to apologize to me now. <laughs> as much as you might be tempted to want to do that, no, 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 that's not forgiveness either. So if that's the case, okay, if none of those things are forgiveness, what is? If Jesus teaches us in the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us, how does that look? Well, thankfully, God gives us his word, right? The Bible. And the Bible is just filled with wisdom and insight and guidance. And in the Bible, we find steps that we can take that will help us to forgive others. Steps, get this, that can allow us to experience the freedom, right? The joy that God wants us to have in this life. The freedom and the joy that we can have when we forgive others. So step number one, if you want to forgive somebody else, remember how much you have been forgiven. As you can imagine, this step is huge. 
you're going to forgive somebody else, you need to remember just how much God has already forgiven you in Christ. Two weeks ago, if you were here, you knew that we taught, we, you will know that we talked about the story of the prodigal son and how uh, all of us, like that young runaway son, turn our backs on our heavenly father and we walk into sin, but also how we, like that young runaway son, when we, by the Spirit's power, turn back to our heavenly father in repentance and we confess our sins to him, he is just as quick to restore us and forgive us. And all of that is because of what Jesus has accomplished for us on the cross, right? Jesus died to pay for our sin, and God gives us that gift of grace. Isaiah 1 says, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. I love this verse. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. You, by God's grace, through faith in Christ, you are forgiven of not just one sin, but all of your sin, okay? The whole Mount Everest pile of all your sin. And I use that last image on purpose. I want you to, if you're gonna forgive someone, it's important to realize how much God has forgiven you. How much God has, has re, um, how many times he has restored you. Because you're the one with the crimson stain on your heart. You're the one to whom God has uh, offered uh, unconditional forgiveness for that, that giant Mount Everest pile of, of sin. So it doesn't matter what you did. doesn't matter how many times you did it. Because Jesus was willing to stand in your place and to hang on the cross for you and take the punishment that you deserve and to sacrifice his life for you, God forgives you your entire pile of debt, all of it. Thanks be to God. In Matthew 18, Jesus tells another story of forgiveness. This is a story about a master whose servant owes him millions and millions and millions of dollars, can't repay it. So the master decides to sell the servant, his wife, his kids, all that he owns, in, and, and, you know, and that was you know, just to the highest bidder to kind of recoup what he had lost. It wasn't going to cover the millions and millions, but at least he'll get something back. That was very common practice back in Jesus' day. But the servant says this, be patient with me and I will pay back everything. That was a flat out lie, flat out lie. There was no way on earth that that servant was gonna be able to pay back millions and millions of dollars, but he says it anyway. And what's really crazy is what happened next. What happens next? The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. So even though this decision with the servant cost the master millions and millions of dollars, he did it anyway. So the servant is now off the hook, right? He's off scot-free. He goes skipping down the path merrily, and then he comes across a coworker who owes him a couple hundred bucks. The servant wants, he demands that the coworker pay back his money. So the coworker says this, be patient with me and I will pay you back. And unlike the millions and millions of dollars that the servant owed his master, this is a doable amount. Right, the guy just needs to go to his local drive-through and you know Chase Bank or whatever and get the money, and then he's good. It's just it's that easy, easy peasy. But the servant refuses to wait for the coworker, so he has the coworker thrown into prison, and the master hears about this. And oh boy, look at this! He calls the servant in front of him, and the master says, "You wicked servant! I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you?" And of course, the answer is, "What? Yes, yes. Of course, he should have had mercy. 
And so Jesus wraps up that whole story by saying this. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. So let me ask you, is there somebody that you need to forgive? Maybe it's a loved one who hurt you. Maybe it's a parent who mistreated you. Maybe it's a friend who betrayed you. Uh, maybe it's somebody at work who unjustly criticized you. you know, whoever it is, the first step in forgiving others, that first step is to remember how much you have been forgiven, right? To remember just how much, that huge Mount Everest pile of sin God has forgiven you in Christ and how it cost him, not millions and millions of dollars, but the very lifeblood of his son, Jesus. So that's step one. Remember just how much you have been forgiven. Step number two is to release the person entirely. It's like what Laura was saying, you know, let it go. If you wanna forgive somebody else, you have to be willing to completely let go of the bitterness and the resentment. Stop rehearsing it in your mind, okay? And just, just set them free. And, and, and I say that because um, holding a grudge against somebody who's hurt you is like drinking poison and then hoping that the other person will get sick. Right? It doesn't work. It's ridiculous. So seriously, if you want to forgive that person and set them free, then you, and if you want to experience the freedom and the joy that comes from forgiving that other person, you need to release them entirely. And my guess, my guess is that all of you sitting here, all of you watching online right now, you know that mentally, but you also know that emotionally, that's a whole different ball game. Boy, it's hard. So let me just get real practical with you and share with you a couple of tips that might help. And these tips are things that um, I've learned from other counselors and therapists over the year, years, and, and maybe you've heard of these, but maybe this will help in letting it go in your case. One thing would just be to write a letter. Okay, you get a piece of paper out, write their name down, and I'm sure you have their name, and then you write down, you know, uh, what, just let it rip. Note sugarcoat it, just how they hurt you, how they wounded you. Then at the end, you say, I release you, okay? Tell them you're gonna release them, you're not gonna hold it against them. Then you fold it up, you put it in the envelope, you lick it, you close it, you put their name on it, and then you don't mail it. <laughs> you stick it in a drawer or you throw it out. But that's a helpful step. <laughs> A second step would be to just have an imaginary conversation with an empty chair. Maybe you've done this too. You just get a private room, you have an empty chair, you put the person who offended you is in the empty chair and you just let it rip. And again, you just talk and you tell them how much, you've, how much they've hurt you. And then you say, but you know, I'm, I'm, I release you. I am not gonna hold this against you. That can be very freeing. Another thing that might, you might do is just take a picture of the offending person and talk to that to that, maybe you see them on social media because you're, you know, they're around. And so when you see that, you just talk, you have a conversation with that image on your, on your phone or whatever. The point is that you do whatever it takes to release them because that is another step in experiencing the, the freedom and the joy that God wants you to have in this life. Now understand something, okay? Understand something. When you release a person, okay, and you let it go, when you release that person, you are in effect doing two things. You need to understand this, okay? First, it means that you are releasing your right to repayment. What does that mean? It means that even though it's easy when they've wounded you to think they are now in debt to you, 
They owe you because of what they've done. No, 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 no. When you release them, you release the idea of repayment, just like the master released his servant who owed him millions and millions of dollars. Second, and this one's a little bit more obvious, but it's also releasing your right to revenge. It's very natural to want to hurt somebody who has just hurt you. But when you release a person, you are giving up your right to get back at them, which really is good because that's not your job. Look at what Paul says here in Romans 12. He says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So what does that mean? It means that when you are hurt or wounded, you have two options, really. You can rehearse or you can release. You can rehearse the pain in your mind again and again and just live a life of bitterness and resentment, which is stinks, or you can release them and be done with it. Rehearse or release. And I realize that releasing the person, that is a much more difficult step, but it is so worth it. Okay, it is a step that can move you toward feeling uh, the, 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 the freedom and the joy that God wants you to feel in this life. All right, step number three. Step number three is to recognize God's purpose in the process. Okay, and, and understand this is step three. Okay, you have to release the other person first before you can begin to recognize God, God being at work in this, this painful situation. Some people try and turn it around. They say, hey, God, I'll tell you what, you, you show, me the, the, um, show me your purpose behind this pain and then I'll be able to forgive them. That's not how it works. Only until you release them completely, entirely, can, then you, can you then step back and begin to see how God may work through that painful situation in a way that can bless you. And it can, but not while you're holding a grudge. As long as you're holding on to that grudge, that grudge, of course, is sin. It's a sinful grudge. And that's going just by virtue. That's it. It builds this barrier between you and God. You're separating. So God can't speak to you. You can't see anything that God wants you to see because you're separated from him. However, when you release the person, okay, when you forgive them, let it go, that opens the door, tears down that barrier because you've confessed your sinful grudge. God has washed you clean in the blood of the lamb. And then your relationship, you're, you're reconnected to God. And you can see potentially how God might be at work in a way that will bring good out of this bad. And that's the promise of Romans 8, 28. Look at this. Paul says, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. This doesn't say that everything is good. Doesn't, you know, certainly the pain that you experienced was not good. The, the, the wound, the hurt that you encountered, that wasn't good, but that verse says that God can work good out of the garbage. And, he, and, and that's the miracle. <laughs> that's the miracle. If you read the Old, Old Testament book of Genesis, toward the end of that book, you'll read a story about a guy named Joseph. Joseph is the guy, but this, not Joseph, the stepdad of Jesus, but Joseph, the guy who had the coat of many colors, he had 11 brothers who were extremely jealous of him and they hated him. And so they sold him into slavery in Egypt. It was awful. He's separated from his friends and his family. Joseph's all alone in this foreign country. It's terrible. But God takes that awful situation and turns it into a blessing to the point where Joseph rises through the ranks and becomes second in power in the nation of Egypt, only second only to Pharaoh himself. 
Then there's a famine. His brothers come to buy some food because there's lots of food in Egypt. And Joseph recognizes his brothers. And man, oh man, it would have been so easy. It would have been simple for Joseph because of his position and his authority to have killed his brothers or exacted some kind of revenge, but he doesn't. Why? Because he recognizes God's purpose behind it all. And that's what he says to his brothers. Look at this. This is Genesis 50, verses 19 and 20. Joseph says, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, right? The selling and all that garbage. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. So Joseph saw God's purpose behind the pain. Joseph saw God taking all these bad pieces, being sold into slavery, being separated his family, and turning it into blessing. Wow. Now, obviously, I don't know what God's purpose may be in your life if you've been hurt or wounded, but I do know the Romans 8.28 promise that God can work good out of something that someone else meant for evil. And just recognizing that, okay, recognizing that truth, recognizing God's that he can bring purpose out of pain, healing out of hurt. That's another third step that you can take that will move you closer toward forgiving others. Fourth step, reestablish the relationship as much as possible. Understand the first three steps I just shared with you are mandatory. You have to do them. Step four is optional. That's why as much as possible is in parentheses. And that's because forgiveness and restoring a relationship, those are two very different things. Yes, you absolutely have to forgive them. Is it always possible to restore a relationship with somebody who's wounded you? Not always. They may not want to reconcile with you. So then what do you do? You continue to live in a loving, kind, helpful, God-honoring way. Paul says this in Romans 12, 21. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil by doing good. So, so if, if the relationship is not able to be reconciled, you continue to just do good. You, 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 um, you act in kind and loving ways toward them. Maybe you change how you think about them. Maybe you change how you pray for them. Instead of praying for God's vengeance, you know, God smite that person. You pray that God would bless that person. You see the difference? That's light years of a difference. Man. Maybe you, instead of talk instead of talking down about them and derogatory remarks about the person, you start talking more positively and constructively. Whatever, understand, sometimes the relationship can't be restored. Should you forgive them? Always. Can you reconcile the relationship? Yes, if it is possible. And that's what Paul says in Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. See those first four words? If it is possible. If it's not, you skip step four and you move to step five, which is repeat the process. Because, yep, you're going to have to. Welcome to a world of sin and hurt and pain. And people will hurt you. Regardless of whether it's intentional or not, you are going to need to go through those steps again and again for the rest of your life. In fact, my guess is that some of you sitting here right now or watching online, some of you may have somebody in your mind that you have to forgive and you haven't gotten there quite yet. And so just to help you in a kind of a tangible way, I don't know if you were able to pick up one of these sermon outlines or not, but there's a little box there. It's an empty box. 
And I would just challenge you. If there's somebody that you need to forgive, just put their initials in that box. Just, you know, just put their initials as a way to remind you not only of how much God has already forgiven you, your huge debt in Jesus, but also how by the power of Christ, you can let it go, release the other person and forgive them. It can happen. Before Jesus teaches the story of that master who has a servant who owes him millions and millions of dollars, Peter asks Jesus this question, which is what sets up the story. Peter asks, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? Well, Jesus replies by saying, no, not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now, obviously, Jesus isn't saying that you can only forgive a person 490 times, because that's 70 times seven, and then you stop at 491. He's not saying that. I I honestly believe Jesus, his answer to Peter is to get Peter to think of the question differently to maybe turn it around, to get us to think of it differently, to get us to turn it around, to think instead of saying, okay, how often should I forgive the other person? Instead, ask yourself, how often do I want God to forgive me? See, that's really the question of the day, isn't it? And thankfully, God doesn't stop at 491, right? Thankfully, because of God's love for this world, he sent his son Jesus to this earth to, to, again, to take the punishment we deserve for our mountain of sin. And and through his death on the cross, he forgives us. When we come to him, he forgives us every single time. Everybody say every single time. Every single time. That's right. He will. And so as Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other every single time just as in Christ God forgave you. When someone hurts you and you say, okay, how often should I forgive this person? When Jesus' answer is 70 times seven, in God's math, it's every single time. It's every single time. With joy in your heart because of how much, how how much God has already forgiven you, you release and forgive those who sin against you, and you experience the freedom and the joy that God wants you to have in this life. Freedom and joy that comes by letting them go. So let me challenge you, all right? Let me challenge you in a couple of ways. First, I wanna challenge you between now and next Sunday to reread Matthew 18, 21 to 25. It's the whole story of the master and the unforgiving servant and consider just how much God has forgiven you. That's a critical first step. We quickly forget that step, but that's a critical step. Remember just how much God has already forgiven you in Christ. Second, ask God for the strength to release and not rehearse, right? Not rehearse the pain again and again, but to let it go, to forgive them in the power of Christ and to move on. Third, use this week to restore any of your damaged relationships. Again, it may not always be possible to do that, but if it is, doggone it, you do everything you can. You give, them, you, sh- you give them a call, uh, text them, shoot them an email, have lunch with them. But as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, with everyone. Let's pray about that. Father, thank you for reminding us just how much you have already forgiven us. Help us to let go of any bitterness or resentment that may still exist And in light of what you've already done for us in Christ, our Savior, empower us to forgive and release them. 
Through it all, Lord, open our eyes to see your purpose, your plan at work through this pain and, and how you can bless us through it. And then, of course, if all possible, allow us to reconcile with these people, restore that relationship once again so we can live in love with one another. Father, I thank you for this series and I thank you for blessing us through it. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' great name and all God's people said, amen. amen.